Okay, good uh, morning, good afternoon. Well, actually, it's morning probably everywhere now. Uh, and uh, this is uh, the option professor speaking. And uh, sorry for being a little late. I had something going in Taiwan Semiconductor that had to be addressed, and that was a pretty good situation. So I'll get to that a little later. Um, but uh, just to, before I get started, um, I'm going to be sharing with you my opinions and my uh, views. Uh, some of the ideas I'll talk about, obviously, uh, you know, uh, are just going to be for informational purposes only. I always tell people consult with your brokerage firm to determine your own suitability and your own uh, risk tolerance, because uh, I'm not going to be giving any advice out uh, over the over the uh, thing here, but I will be giving my opinions, my views, and I'll show you exactly what I'm seeing as well. Um, again, uh, this so far uh, in this year, we've had uh, fantastic uh, sectors like tech, semiconductors, communications, financials, and healthcare, and a little bit of industrials. Really, really great trends, really, really great markets. And then we've had some laggers like materials, energy, utilities, real estate, and to a lesser extent, staples, uh, consumer discretionary, and transports. So I'm going to try to show you what has been going on and then what might start going on if this thing is going to broaden out. Now, again, another thing that I'm very much aware of is, is that uh, after earnings season is done, which at the, at the end of um, uh, I think it ends with the Berkshire Hathaway and their Saturday meeting. So by the end of this month, which is coming due before you know it, uh, we are going to be running out of some news uh, from the earnings front. And then, of course, uh, we got CPI next Tuesday. And since the whole planet is expecting moderating inflation and lower numbers out of the uh, CPI report, a surprise there could really cause some repricing that nobody's really considering. Uh, with this kind of a move that we've seen so far this year, it's annualizing out to a 35% gain on the stock market. That sounds like it's a little rich. So it could be a situation where a pause to refresh could possibly happen in March or April. And we'll talk about that a little bit. You know, again, you always have to be prepared for the other side. You know, when we were down at 4,100, 4,200, I was explaining to people that you got to be ready to go the other way. Uh, and I'll show you exactly why on this chart. Um, yeah, back in, um, uh, in uh, at the end of the year, uh, here in October, we were coming down to test all these moving averages. All these averages were pointing up. So I was trying to explain to people, this is a place where if it holds, it's going to be the bargain of bargains. Now, I don't think it's coincidental that the Fed came out in October when it was at this very, very critical point and made their little comment about how they're going to cut rates in 2024. Now, when they said they were going to hike rates in 2022, can you see we lost a thousand points on the S&P? from 4,800 down here. Now they've said they're going to cut rates in 2024, and we've basically gone up 1,000 points in three months. So again, when the Fed says something, people really believe what they're doing. Now, again, when inflation's at 9%, and when the, uh, money, when the money supply has been grown 27% in 22, you know, the fact that they're gonna cut is very, very, very likely. Uh, excuse me, hike rates is very, very likely. The question now is up here with assets rising and we've got a what? We've got a um, easy money, you know, or accommodative uh, or, you know, shall we say it's not restrictive out there from the standpoint of uh, monetary conditions, you know. Uh, and so you've got that unemployment rate that is just really, really low and really, really strong. 
wages and participation and everything else, you know, 353,000 new jobs. Come on. So that that's very strong. And then retail sales have been very strong and credit card usage is up 60% over uh, the prior year, I guess. Uh, I, I think it was a prior year from 2022 to 2023. I mean, 60% of, uh, and it's 1.13 trillion. So the consumers are very, very cocky right now because they've got their jobs and they got their wage increase and they don't mind going into the into the credit cards, even if they do cost 25 percent or whatever they cost if you don't pay. So this is an environment where cutting interest rates seems about as ridiculous as ridiculous could get. But that's what they say they're going to do. So you have to respect that. But what if the CPI number goes the other way? Nobody's talking like that and nobody's prepared for that. And that could be what the Achilles heel in March and April that could change things around. So I'm not predicting that because I'm not a crystal ball man, but I'm aware of it. And if it starts to happen, meaning if my charts start rolling over, I'm not going to look at them with a faraway look in my eye. I'm going to adjust my positioning accordingly. And I would suggest that you consider the facts if they come out that way to obviously be humble enough to know that sometimes things go down. Because right now, I think a lot of us have lost our humility because of the 1,000 point jump almost we've had in 90 days. And of course, you know, that's why, uh, you know, it's very, very strong right now. So we'll have to just see, again, you don't fight the tape. That's not what you do here. What you do say is if the tape starts changing from this extended level, because again, reversion to the mean, reversion to the mean is on the horizon at some point might not be from this level might be from 5300 i don't know but i do know one thing the higher the market goes it doesn't become less overbought and the higher the price on something can be that what it can be more risky little example would be if you're on the first floor of a building that goes on fire you probably got a better, you probably have less risk of being caught in there than if you're on the 10th floor. So the bottom line is, is that we're going to keep our uh, mind open here as we finish this month. Obviously, this month still has a lot of stuff coming. So uh, basically, that's the story. And I'll give you the, on the S&P. This is on S&P 500 cash, right? Uh, it's a nine right now. I got it at 99, uh, 49.95. Okay, this is the 20 year graph. Great place to buy right there. Now we're extended. RSI is here. You know, the last time we hit this high, RSI was 66 and RSI was 75. Right now, the RSI is at 65. So that's a bit of a divergence. And therefore, I would suggest that's a warning sign. He, uh, you got uh, on the, on the um, weekly, excuse me, the five-year. Uh, it goes uh, with the, with the uh, uh, red line is at 47.63. That's substantially under where we are now. On the one-year graph, again, you know, where you're, you know, from the blue line, you're 4,800, okay? And even from the red, which is, you know, 40, you're still 75 points above red. On the one-month graph, you're uh, basically, and you got a gap there on the one-month graph, maybe a little one down there. You definitely got uh, something down here. So, again, you, you know, you follow the trend, you follow the, you know, the, you follow the action, but you've got to be aware that if the red line starts pointing down, then that would be significant. So first thing you would have to do to get nervous would be 49.25 or less because that would be under the red line. And if the red line turns down like it did back here in August, like it did back here in September, like it did back here in October, you know, 
when a red line starts pointing down, believe me, I will be changing my tune and I will not be hesitant to do so. Um, okay. So there you go. Now, what's the biggest uh, sector out there? It's called the semiconductors, right? Okay. Now, here's the thing that I, I think makes a lot of sense uh, on this kind of thing. When it pulls back to the line, that's when you want to take your shot in an uptrending market. See, if you buy it up here, extend it away, then it comes down, you're not going to be in good shape. But if you wait for it to come back to trend, take your shot, and now you're back in good shape. So again, a day like today, I'm not interested in getting into anything. I should have already been in things. You get into things on the dip. I'll give you a good example of that on a couple of stocks. Uh, one is called Qualcomm. And Qualcomm obviously is in an uptrend there, but it had a pullback down towards the blue lines and stuff. And then once it turned up, you could go to the monthly here. Once it turned up here at 142, you could, you know, if you're an option trader, you're speculating, you could take your shot at your calls. And obviously they're going pretty good right now. And why did you do it? Because we had a correction. The correction ended. You're in an overall long market. And so that was where you take your shot. Uh, another one that did that, uh, I think, uh, advanced my, uh, and, um, applied materials may have done it. Let me check that. I know one of these, I just looked at this morning had the same kind of setup. Yeah. So, uh, applied materials, you can see had the drop from 180 all the way back down to 160. You got right back on the bicycle. So when you have a bull market that has a pullback, that's where you take your shot. And then basically on the one month graph, where'd you get the signal? around 164 and the things at 174. Again, the direction of the averages is imperative. You know, they're going to fool around with the prices sometimes, but they held the green here. So you had something to use as a net, but the bottom line, and again, when it pulls back to green, you take another shot. But when it starts going on its run, it's something that you should already be involved in. And why would you be involved in it? Because you look at the five-year graph and you can see this baby is in an uptrend. Okay. But again, they're all very extended here. And again, you know, that, uh, that is some caution. You know what I mean? Again, you have to be careful when you get into these things because you can see sometimes they do drop. You know, it's not illegal for them to drop. A lot of this stuff is into, you know, technology that everyone is extremely excited about now and rightfully so. But the other side of the coin is going to be possibly that they can't monetize it so fast. You know, just like the electric cars were very exciting, but they couldn't monetize it so fast. And now they've had corrections. Same thing with other things you see. So, you know, again, this is a great run. And obviously you don't fight the tape on it. But if you're going to play the tape, I guess what I've showed you here is what you want to do is you want to wait for it to come back to trend, take your shot and then get involved in the land of milk and honey when it goes back up. And those are two very good examples of what I'm talking about. Um, okay. Let's see what else we're talking about here. Um, um, looking at, um, well, let's look at some more of the sector here. Um, Mar oh, yeah, Marvel was another one. That um, beautiful opportunity to get back in there. Check it out. And this just happened. Yeah. So, again, uh, same story, different stock. But the story is, is you're in a major uptrend, right? You're in a major uptrend. But if you buy strength in a major uptrend, you can sometimes get in trouble. So what would be a better thing to consider is when it has its pullback to the moving averages. Here it was 66 bucks. You take a look at your one month graph because you, maybe you're trading short-term options, right? And so where'd you get your, uh, your turn up here at 67? Maybe you take the 68 calls and you go out a week or two and now you're getting paid. And now you're getting paid. 
So again, those are three good examples of what I'm talking about that within this fabulous tech trade, within this fabulous AI trade, there are corrections. And when you have them, that's when you're going to get your best deal. If you buy them on strength, you can see you buy it up to 73. You're going to, and you have short-term options. That's called uh, on the call side. That's wipe out, wipe out, wipe out, right? So that's why when you are doing short-term uh, calls and puts, your timing is, is essential. It's, it's essential. And that's why I focus uh, a lot of my work on, um, on the timing, uh, because without it, I don't think you can do very well on it. Uh, also, if you're writing options uh, on a short-term basis, which obviously can be very, very risky uh, as well, uh, you know, you start writing uh, calls after the drop and you get this kind of a move, you'll find out that when they say eight times out of 10, the selling side works, they don't tell you maybe enough about those two sides that it doesn't, it's going to knock your head off. Not only will you lose your gains that you might have picked up, but you're going to obviously maybe even go uh, underneath your original thing. So again, um, I'm uh, more focused on the buy side of these short-term options because of their limited risk and their leverage. That is somewhat interesting to me because again, you know, some of these options on a short-term basis have relatively small premiums. I mean, when we're down to 66, if you look at a 69 call with a week or two to go, it's probably not going for that much money. And you better believe it today, it's going for some money. So therefore, now if you are wrong, you would lose the premium. But if the premium is relatively small, you can afford to be wrong as long as you're hitting some of them, right? As long as you're hitting some of them. In other words, the math works out pretty good as long as you have some good volatile ones that give you a large multiple return. Um, but the key is, is you got to have your timing down and your money management. You know, you have X amount of risk capital. You can't risk it all on one trade because if it doesn't work out, you're out of business. Um, okay. So that was a, a few of the tech stuff that I, I want to talk about. Semis, which is a good, uh, which is a good one. Um, you know, one thing I, I saw these guys from the big short talking negatively about upstart. So I went to look at it and, uh, you know, they were on TV saying that this one in a firm didn't look like a company, but uh, to me, you know, this thing turned up at 32 and it's actually going up pretty good right now. And the one-year graph on it, you know, still like it could break down very easily, but uh, they, they were pretty negative on it. You know, they're still unknown and a firm they thought also was uh, mispriced from the standpoint of uh, there's going to be a lot of risks giving loans out to people who are fixing their car or whatever. Uh, but this thing, you know, doesn't look like it's having any trouble. Again, this is all about the consumer with their credit cards and with the ability to make some payments because they're working and they've got a higher wage. That's what this is all about, I see. So for this thing to come down, you're going to have to see a credit uh, situation happen across the board, which very well could happen. Because like I say, when you jump credit cards 60% in a very short time, and now we're at 1.13 trillion, to me, that doesn't end well, I don't think. I mean, any kind of a hiccup in anything would be problematic. Right now, it doesn't look like there's going to be one hiccup on anything. And it could stay that way. It could easily, you know, I'm not fighting this tape. It could stay that way. But I'm also cognizant to know that things do change. So I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm monitoring it when that change happens. Okay. Um, so there you go with the, the one sector of the, um, of the um, semis and uh, some of the AI stuff. Um, the next uh, sector that has been doing great is obviously in the communications. And there you got two big players. And let's see what Meta looks like. Now, Meta went to uh, 485, and I was explaining to people that when it went to 485, the volume was almost 85 million shares, and lately it's been trading 16 million shares, maybe 20-some-odd uh, uh, maybe, uh, mil uh, million shares, 
uh, on a longer term basis. And so basically 84 million told me that there was a big covering, there was a big short squeeze, there was a big everything, and there was a big panic to get in. The problem with the panic is the next week, if they don't have that volume again, it's going to be very difficult, if not impossible, to hold 485. So I was thinking that this, you know, if you at 485 or up in that 480, if you looked at a put option, you know, underneath at, say, 470 with a week to go, options would have been very, very cheap there. And you've gotten a pretty good pullback all the way down this week to 453. So again, you know, that's why you have to have some idea of, um, you know, what this volume and what kind of a, when something has a big, big move, you know, uh, realizing that if it's on a huge, huge volume, it can sometimes be uh, climactic at some point. Uh, this thing, obviously you can't bad mouth. This is like bad mouthing Santa Claus. It goes up, 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 but it is extended. And uh, again, like everything else, you know, we're up here. And the moving averages are down there. And whenever that happens, you know, I'm from the school of uh, caution because I don't want to lose a lot of money by, you know, having a correction. This thing obviously can keep going. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but is this a good time to start buying it? Could be. But I'd be very concerned about the extension it is from all its moving averages. Again, we could go through the rest of this month and these things could be very good. What I'm saying is, is if March and April are going to be a different story, then it could be a situation where we're not going to be at $500 on Meta. And maybe some of this gap gets filled in a little bit. No evidence of that yet. You know, there's your monthly graph. You know, this thing's got to catch all the way up to here. So, you know, between now and the end of the month, let's see what it does. But if by the end of the month, we're not way above 500 and it looks like it's, you know, and this red line catches up, you know, keep an eye on it. Keep an eye on it. Uh, the other one is obviously Google in that uh, communications business. And this one has actually lagged because obviously they're not doing quite as well on this stuff as, um, as the others. Uh, some of their technology, I guess, is questionable compared to the others. And um, their advertising, I think they're getting kind of uh, some of their advertising is moving over to Meta, which is another reason why Meta has gone nuts. Um, but um, what do you call it? Uh, this thing has turned up on a one month basis. So you got a signal to go, you know, again, you, you look at the what? You look at the one-year graph, it's uptrending. You look at the five-year graph, it's uptrending. So if you were going to take a shot at this thing, where would you take it? Well, you know, again, it came right down here to the line. This is where you take your shot. Now it's above the blue line. So you could take a shot. On the one-month graph, again, you got this thing at 143. It's at 147. Again, this is where it could go up and try to fill the gap up here at 153. It could. Okay. Uh, and you have some evidence of a turn because you've got uh, the green line pointing up, the blue line pointing up, and it wouldn't take much to blow out the red, which is really not pointing down. So a close above uh, 148.17, I would consider that pretty positive, and it would increase the odds of uh, filling in that gap. And certainly, like I say, the guys who bought it on the dip here at 136 or whatever, they're already in the money pretty good. And you had something to buy it against right there. You know, buy it against there, buy it against there, buy it when it got back above there has been a has been historically and of course past performance, not indicative of future results, but it's been a good uh, it's been a good uh, opportunity to do that. So that's uh, that's the uh, that's an example uh, in the communication sector where, you know, buying against uh, the support made a lot more sense than chasing it. Um, let's just see something else here on the communication side, if there's anything. Okay. 
Yeah, let's take a look at uh, Netflix again. That is uh, one that obviously has gone through the roof as well as the magnificent uh, whatever they are. And let's see if that's uh, unending growth as well. Okay, see another one that went to 580. It's up against the red line, right? So the red line comes in where? 562. So if this thing's going to stop, this would be the neighborhood where it would happen. And then basically, if it's not going to stop, you can see there's a gap there and the averages are down at 500, 520. So what is the one month telling you? One month is telling you that it's trying to roll over, but not doing a great job of it. And again, these things are not pointing down. See, this is pointing up. When we're going up here, that's a no doubt about it pointing up. When it's not pointing down, it kind of looks like this thing, right? So the bottom line is that this is just slop going sideways. This is kind of slop going sideways. But if we started to break underneath these current lows here, which come in at around what, 550, uh, 550 or so, something like that, it started breaking under the air. And these averages start turning down. Yeah, you could get a more significant correction because you have them inverted already. See, the red line is underneath the blue of the green and the blue. So the only thing they got not going for them is they're not pointing down. And that's really where your odds increase quite a bit. So again, a break under 550, then you'd have these things pointing down. And then your RSI right now is at 50. You start to get breaking under 40. You know, you'll have something going on. So I'd monitor this one right now. Like I say, it looks like you should have bought it against 560, right? Because it's at 563. So again, and for all we know, because this thing is so strong, it's going right back to test the high. But again, a very sloppy looking short-term graph. Okay, but the last time it was sloppy, it broke up to the upside. So again, right now, uh, as long as it stays above that 560 number and 555, that's your support in my view. Uh, Paramount has got a lot of news going on, but it doesn't seem to be able to get it out of its own way. And boy, you know, that's really in the, in, the, in, the, in the dumper here. So they tried to make it go up when they were talking about some kind of buyout. And then obviously whatever buyout was probably a lousy one. And then you're back in the soup. So this one doesn't look very good at all. And the other one uh, on uh, uh, Disney, they came out with good earnings. Let's see what they're going on. Yeah, so D Disney, and here's another classic example of, you know, it's going nowhere, but the averages are rising, the averages are rising, the averages. So this is telling you that the flow of money is coming in, coming in. So you had since 92, uh, the, the, the signal of, you know, belong this thing, belong this thing, belong this thing. And then you got paid when earnings came out, okay? Now, now we're up here and everything's down here. So let's take a look at the one-year graph and see what that says. So again, so what are you going to do? What you do is you get into these things at the right time or you don't get into them at all, right? And is this the wrong time to get in? I don't know. Maybe it's going to 140, 130. I don't know. I do know that it's pretty far away from sea level, for, for land, from landfall. And um, the risk is not lower up here than it was down here. So Bottom line is that's why we try to use these things to try to get our entry points at where the risk reward is pretty is pretty attractive. Um, the other um, sector um, that has been hot is the financials. And let's take a look at those. JP Morgan. OK, now here's something I'm watching like a hawk. And so let's talk about it. Uh, JP Morgan hit a high point here and then it went and hit a high point here. Right. And uh, over here, can you see the RSIs are in the 79 area? And now we're way up here and they're in the 60 areas. Red line's right here, right here. And, um, and basically, uh, it's coming in at 173.88. So it's dipping down underneath it. On the monthly, it's doing the same, okay? So it's dipping down, but they haven't crossed and they're not pointing down. So this is where my patience comes in, okay? Because if this thing does break, say the 171 level, look what that would mean possibly. 
if it breaks the 171 level, it would bring the red line pointing down. It would bring blue and green pointing down. And if it and if this thing does start dropping, the next stop could be 155. If on Tuesday we got a CPI report that was hot, do you think that that might change the interest rate picture? If you change the interest rate picture, do you think it would change the evaluations of these uh, uh, banks? I'm saying possibly. And so, you know, the last time I saw a chart that looked like this, I'll show you. It was an ExxonMobil. And on ExxonMobil, you can see that it made the high here, and then it made another high here. And then once it started to turn down, it had a nice little drop, which I enjoyed very much. So again, when I have suspicion that something's at a high, I don't sell it up here. I wait for some kind of confirmation that it's going down. And then I try to jump on the train because I know there's plenty of real estate underneath. Same thing with JP Morgan. Now, again, you know, JP Morgan hasn't done what I'm saying. So it's obviously could be just having a little dip. And this could be a buy right here against 173 or against 171.82. And it could go right back on the bicycle again. But again, the RSI down here is kind of looking a little sick. And if you notice, the RSI uh, here looks like it was lower than here. So, you know, it looks a little bit sick. So I'm, I'm watching it like a hawk because there's a lot of potential for these things to pull back if that CPI number on Tuesday is different than what people think. So keep an eye on that. Uh, and of course, you know, uh, but uh, the banks that have trouble with this uh, commercial real estate is more the regional guys who have like 30% of their book into these kind of loans. Uh, according to what I've read, uh, only about 6% of it is in the big banks. But, you know, sometimes you get a contagion when uh, when something happens in the in the in the real estate, in the in the stocks. So anyway, there's there's a financial that uh, makes sense. And then the Bank of America is another big one. Let's see what that looks like. Yeah, again, same story here, you know, same chart. Right. So if this uh, if what do you call it goes in the dump, I'm sure. Uh, but see, it looks like to me like uh, J.P. Morgan had more uh, potential points wise. In other words, it has like a 20 point potential on the downside, 15 or 20. This thing obviously, you know, um, has a few dollars, you know, because it's not as volatile. These guys have a lot of loans, too, out there, you know, bank, uh, mortgages that are they're on their books and they have pretty good losses on them. One of the reasons this thing popped up is the losses that these banks are holding on their mortgages uh, have gotten less bad. And that made the and of course, with the Fed saying they're cutting, right, cutting, 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 you know, this this stuff goes nuts because cutting would very much help these banks from the standpoint of carrying these losses, because, you know, you know that bond prices rise when rates drop. So uh, they would love to see that uh, if that doesn't happen. This is mispriced. If that doesn't happen, maybe JP Morgan's mispriced. So that's why we have to keep an eye on it. OK, so there's your financials. There's your tech. And then. Um, the uh, the next one would be uh, the and the communications. Let's talk about healthcare. And uh, this is where the drug companies are, right? So uh, I'll show you three drug companies or two drug companies. Oh, I'll show you, yeah, I'll show you four drug companies. Okay, obviously, like I say, this thing has been a go 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 go, but it's fairly extended away from its average. So again, I don't see this as a place to get started, right? You want to get started? You get started down here, down here, and when it pulls back to the line, you see, pull back to the line. And you have your chance. That's Merck. Next one out there would be AbbVie. And as you can see on AbbVie, you know, again, you know, get in here, down here, down here, against the line, against the line, against the line, against the line. Okay. Up here, you should be raking in whatever you sowed down the bottom. Um, another one, obviously, is your Lily. These weight loss drugs are all the rage. And uh, you can see that's the story on Lily. So again, where could you have gotten in January? It, it dipped down to what? 
against the green line. It uh, dipped down to uh, 620. It dipped down to against the red line, 633. This was the neighborhood where you could have taken your shot. Up here, again, it could keep going. But again, that's not my game to uh, try to buy things after they've gone up so far. Uh, another one is um, uh, Novo here. They got celebrities taking this stuff. So obviously, you know, there's a line wrapped around the block here. And uh, only question is, is when are the uh, when and if are there going to be any side effects or any other problems? Because, you know, the drugs aren't made for weight loss, I don't think. I think they're made for something else, but we'll see. Um, anyway, you're looking at, uh, uh, again, you had an opportunity on the drop here to uh, to 103. You had, a you know, uh, an opportunity over here, drop to 101. And then up here, 117, you know, you sure to be in. Like I say, the RSI here is not too uh, convincing. It looks like it's a little bit tired. So we'll have to keep an eye on it. Uh, but that's what that's looking. There's two of them out there that you might want to take a look at from this standpoint. Pfizer. Now, why would you want to look at something that's way down? You know, because I'm using the common sense meter in my head. And I'm saying to myself, you know, uh, this Pfizer uh, used to be uh, $62. It is down at $26. They're currently paying six point, uh, about 6% dividend. Now, that dividend could get cut tomorrow. But again, it, right now it is paying that. Now, I'm assuming that these people who've been around for 100 years, right, are understanding that they need to do something. So I'm thinking out loud that the industry of drugs, because of the demographics of the baby boomers and everything else, is certainly still there. And basically, are these guys doing anything to try to change their course? Kind of like Disney changed their course, right? Well, I think they are. And so I think down here, you know, you want to keep an eye on it. And if you can get these lines turning up at all, I think you wouldn't want to miss the opportunity. Because like I say, they've been under pressure before back in 2021, right? Right. And when these lines turned up, it wasn't a bad time to take your shot. So the bottom line is, is it might not be tomorrow or whatever, but I'd keep an eye on this one because, again, uh, I don't think they're going out of business and they're getting awfully low. Another one is Bristol Myers Squibb, BMY. Same story, pretty much. They obviously have some problems and that's why the stock's gone from $82 down to half price. Right. But, uh, you know, if they can get these red lines to start turning up a little bit, and then you go to the shorter term graphs to see if that's starting to happen. It's not happening just yet. Look at the one month graph, see if anything's happening. Not yet. But if it started trading right now above 48.50 or, or, or 50, you know, which is only two bucks away, it would start changing the tune on Pfizer. So th this would be something where you might think there could be value down here. And the Pfizer's already turned up a little bit. Okay. All right. So that gives you a little bit of that stuff going on. Now, where is the puck possibly going? Well, let's take a look at energy. First, we'll take a look at what? The crude oil. And the crude oil is turning, right? So if crude oil is turning, does it make any sense that some of these things could be turning? Because this, uh, between now and the end of the month, you got a lot of earnings coming out from the energy shares. So I'll show you some of the ones that I'm hooked up into. Looks like they might have something to do. There's one of them right there already from yesterday, popping pretty good. And then you've got uh, uh, Buffett's favorite, Oxy, turning up. And there you got um, uh, Marathon. Is that turning up? Not just yet. So Marathon's not on the board. Uh, what about any of the servicers? Halliburton? Turning up a little bit, but not like uh, the first two. Occidental and Devon look like they're, uh, like they're going someplace a little bit. And um, let me see some of the earnings coming up. Because if you, you want to see some of the energy earnings, they've done pretty good after earnings. Uh, BP announced some good stuff. And look what BP did for you. Nice little pop. 
And so basically, let's see what's coming up on the earnings front. Uh, coming up will be Suncor up there in Canada. Looks like it's trying to turn up, but not great. Uh, what else is coming up here? We've got, um, uh, well, today we had uh, ConocoPhillips. Yeah, there you go. You know, that's why, you know, these guys must be announcing good earnings because they're popping pretty good. So uh, Devin on Oxy are coming right up and uh, they could have some pretty good earnings. Um, Diamondback, they got earnings coming up. Yep, that's turned up. So, you know, you got to look where the puck might be going and uh, maybe the puck on the ones that I just mentioned could have a nice future to it. So I would uh, keep an eye on those because, uh, again, they seem to be just turning as opposed to some of these other things that look like they've gone through the roof already. Uh, materials have uh, also been uh, having a difficult time and they still do. So you've got um, uh, Freeport MacMoran. But some people think that they'll play a little catch up. But right now, that doesn't look like it's catching up on anything. Again, you know, it's being tested down here. So it looks sloppy. If it ever got to 4142, it might be going someplace. Uh, Newmont Mining is another one, the gold one. And uh, yeah, and this one here, you got a bit of a divergence here because these things have 27 and these things have 33. So I would keep an eye on this. But uh, again, nothing happening right now. But certainly it has, and it has earnings coming up on the 27th. So it has something coming up that could help. And this thing does pay, I think, about 4.8% dividend. So somebody might like to own something that has gold behind it and also get paid a dividend. I always think that that's not a bad uh, double whammy. Uh, although it's hard to understand how these stocks are so low because the price of gold has not uh, really broken down so far. It seems to be range bound. And, um, and basically, you know, it's range bound between this 2000 to uh, 2010 area and about 2040. So as I've been telling people, if we can get above 2040, 2060, this thing could get going in a very big fashion. Also, if we break under this 22,000 area, I think uh, going down to some of the longer term support here, 1950 is not off the cards. So again, you know, it's in a range and it hasn't made a decision yet. And so I don't know that you should make a decision if it hadn't made one. And uh, again, you could make a case for it either way right now. If the rates are going to stay high and the inflation is going to be choked off and the dollar is going to be strong, could be a tough racket for gold. If they're going to cut interest rates into this kind of environment, wow, uh, and the spending goes off the charts and inflation comes back, you know, and, and uh, they want to have low rates and high inflation again, you know, then that's where the gold will shine. So I'm keeping an eye on it, but, uh, you know, it seems to be like a stand aside right this second. Um, and then some of the silver stocks have got uh, earnings coming out too, uh, Pan America Silver. And uh, this one, again, is uh, in the doghouse down near the lows. So there's really nothing to report because I like to see momentum and there's no momentum in that stuff right now. There is some momentum turning in the energy possibly. And that's why I pulled your coat to that one. Um, okay. Uh, another uh, area that is lagging uh, is real estate. And let's look at uh, Boston properties because, you know, I've had this one and this one's been great, but let's see if it's going to stay great. Yeah. You see, there's a lot of room for this thing uh, if it wanted to maintain into a bullish stance. Okay. So if there is a little turn in the real estate area, you know, these guys could, uh, these good guys, they, they could be one of the uh, leaders coming out of the thing. It had a correction down here. It's holding here. So right now it's really important to hold 62. If it doesn't hold 62, that's going to be a problem. Uh, another one is that, um, uh, let's just see, give you a couple more here. Oh yeah. These ones that have to do with, uh, you know, the towers and stuff, communications a little bit, uh, Castle Crown. 
I've always thought these were pretty good. Let's see how they go now. Yeah, okay. So if we go far out, uh, we can, well, it doesn't go that far out. Let's go out five years and then move our way in. Okay, you can see it hit a very much of a low here. Don't forget, it used to be 210. So obviously, you know, buy low, sell high. I mean, this is the time where you'd be taking a look. But it does look like it's fading pretty good here. So a move above 120 on this thing, I think would open the door for a nice big rally. If it can't, Lord knows it could go right back into the soup. But I wouldn't. I would want this thing to start getting above the red line here, which is 111 and a half, and then the 120 mark on the one-year basis. Again, can you see if you got above 111, you'd be above these lines, and if you got above 120, you'd be above everything, and then everything could really turn out. Is there going to be a big uh, future this thing? This is one I definitely would keep on my radar because if it, it does turn, there's a lot of real estate above. No pun intended. Uh, American Tower, very well-known company respected probably same story yeah see it came right down to purple so if you were going to take a shot at it or you wanted to be careful about it this would be the neighborhood of support it's bouncing but there's got a lot of negative thing coming down so i don't know if that's going to hold or not if it doesn't it opens the door to go maybe you know down towards some of these uh, gaps down here 180 170 so uh keep an eye on the uh, the uh, american tower right around here you see this is a very big area for it you see it's coming into the blue and green here so I would say this 190 neighborhood, uh, 190, yeah, very, uh, very important area. So keep an eye on it. It's a lagging end, it's a lagging uh, thing. So only if we're probably going to get a expansion. Another one that's lagging is what your um, your uh, small caps. Now everyone's talking small caps are going to go through the roof, and maybe they are, because let's take a look on it and see if there's any merit to that talk. Okay, it has broken above purple. That's a very good positive. Again, red is above purple. That's a good positive. So if you are bullish on this stuff, you definitely want it staying above the 190, uh, the one, let's call it the 188 area. You want to stay it above there. And the red line comes in where? At 192.85. Let's try to keep it above there. Okay. Then you go to the one month graph and you can see again, uh, you needed to get above this 195 area to open up the door for 200 and further. If you go back on a long-term basis, the high used to be 245 over here. And uh, again, you know, getting above 195, I think is key. And staying above 188, 185 is key. So those are your parameters. And again, it has a lot of real estate above if it can make its move. The transportation uh, index like XTN, it has been trying to break out as well, but it's not. It's having a hard time. Can you see that? So if this thing is going to go, these are the ones that are lagging. These have pretty good uh, runs in them, okay? If they can get going, right now you need to see what? You got to stay above uh, 80 and 85 on a five-year basis. Again, it's starting to look good. So, so stay above 80 and then get above 85. Those are your two numbers. Stay above 80 and get above 85. On a one-year basis, again, you definitely don't want it under the red line, which is a little bit above 80. And you can see this 85 mark here has been a rough racket. So even if we can get this thing running a little bit uh, higher than we've been, at least it could maybe get the momentum going. It's above the uh, purple and it's above the uh, gold. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. Um, okay. So that gives you some different ideas on some of the different markets. If you had any uh, stocks, let's see if you have any stocks you want me to look at. What do you think about the dollar stores? I think, isn't that the dollar store DLR? No, dollar stores. Well, let's just see if I can get it. Dollar Dollar Tree, Dollar General. Okay, let's go with Dollar Tree, Dollar General. DTR, oh, Dollar Tree, Dollar General. DLTR and DG. 
DLTR. Let's take a look. Yeah, they're considered real estate deals too. Okay, well, it looks like it's turned, right? Looks like it's turned. You got your signal here around 135-ish and it's at 141. Let's see what it looks like on the uh, longer term. Yeah, the red line's pointing up. Uh, you got to stay above 130. And if you can get through purple, that'd be great. And purple comes in at 142. So get this thing above 142, I'd feel better. Uh, it is a rising purple. That's not a negative. It's a rising blue, a red, so that's not a negative. And blue and green are trying to turn up. So there could be some optimism here. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be negative, negative on it now. They tried to tank it under gold and they couldn't do it. So that's a good sign. So I'd keep an eye on it. And like I say, on a 20 year basis, this thing used to be a lot higher. And you can see that 142 area comes in here again. So sometimes there's coincidental numbers on the different time frames, which I find to be very important. So again, not bad. Uh, DG, I had a guy in Tucson who used to lease buildings to these people. Uh, again, you brought it under purple and now you're above purple. So get it, uh, keep this thing above 134.97. Keep it above 195 here and be very helpful. Now we go over to the five year. Again, right against the red line. We don't want this thing underneath 130, 135, 130. We do not want that underneath there. And if you'd like to get it going, it's important to start getting above the blue, which comes in at 138. Now we go to the one year and what do you got? Uh, you got it looking pretty good. You know, again, you just, it's a little, it's like kind of sloppy. You know, it's not really telling us much. It's really telling us sideways. These averages are kind of just doing whatever they're doing, but you clearly have got all the averages in a very important neighborhood, which is 133, 134, 135. And uh, I don't like the purple pointing down, but that is a long-term average. And obviously with that kind of a downtrend, you're going to have that. So that's going to be one of the last ones to turn because it's a long average. Uh, it's got a gap up there at 155. That would be a logical target if it got moving. So again, uh, as long as it can stay, like we say, above that 130 and then 135 neighborhood and get above the 142, 143 neighborhood, I think it opens the door to maybe do some uh, uh, filling. And it's got huge gaps at 150. And it's got a huge gap up at 200. So if they do turn the wagon around, there's a lot of potential here. So I would keep an eye on it very closely as well. It looks like that is possibly turning. And I gave you the numbers that are key on it. Um, okay, let's see what else you've got here. ELF. Yeah, well, you know, I liked, uh, I liked um, uh, Estee Lauder and that worked out good. So beauty's back. Hey, beauty's back. Let me show you Estee Lauder and why I liked it. It's had a couple of terms that were pretty good. Yeah, you see um, uh, Estee Lauder gave me to buy here at 110. Got the chance to ride it up here. Then it came back down. Give me another signal here, 128. And it got a nice little pop to 160. Now it's come back to the uh, average. That's why we don't buy things that are way up already. Because if they come back to the average, you're going to get killed. So the bottom line is right now it's in a critical. This is a, I'm just going on something different. Uh, but it's, you know, beauty, right? And uh, right now it's very key to hold this 135, 130, uh, 137, 135 area. And if it does, it'll be good. Okay, uh, you were looking at ELF. Okay, on ELF, uh, again, you know, obviously, uh, let's look at a five-year graph. Yeah, this thing's up, up, and away. But again, you know, where should you really have done your positioning? You know, 110, 120, you know? Um, did you get any chances to do against the trend? Sure. You had a pullback here. You could have picked up some here at 131. You had a nice pullback here. Could have picked up some more at 143. And then you put another pullback down here, could have picked up some at 160. So, you know, 173, you know, it should be uh, harvest time, not uh, plant seed time, I don't think. Uh, could it keep going? Sure. 
How's that RSI doing? First, you had a high point of 70. Next time, you had a high point of 72. Now you have high points of 71, 73, 66. So I would say, you know, it has a little bit of a possibly running out of steam, but that RSI is pointing back up. So again, for all I know, it's going to just have another big jam to the upside because it's in all-time highs. And so it's hard to, uh, you know, hard, to, but it is extended. It is extended. So again, you've had opportunities to get into this thing. I don't know that right here, is it? Unless you're just one of those parabolic traders that are looking for parabolic action. Um, and again, I'm going to, I want to spend a couple of seconds here before we run out of time. Uh, OC is Owens Corning. And I'll start out on the long term and move our way in. So on a 20-year basis, obviously, it's on an all-time high. Is it extended? You tell me. Okay. And then basically on a five-year, and again, you know, you had opportunity here uh, back in December of 2023 to pick it up for 110 against the line. That's where you do it. Five-year graph, you know, it gave you a signal of 130, and you're in there. You're supposed to be doing pretty good. Uh, we're at 67 there and we're at 69 there. So no big divergence other than from there to there, uh, on a one-year graph, you know, again, everything is a go, uh, when you would get negative on this is if it gets under 150 and these averages start pointing down and that would open the door to come back to purple and purple is at, uh, 138 and there is gaps underneath too. So if this thing ever turned, uh, obviously, you know, that would be, uh, that would be a problem. So there's that's where your problems might sit in. That's the story on uh, on Owens Corning GTLB. Okay, uh, seventy five. Okay, a lot of the ones you're showing me are at all time highs. So I'm going to stop talking here in a second. I'm going to show you what you can possibly do when you're at all time highs. Let's talk about this thing here. Okay, so you're at a you're at a, a thing looks great. Let's not uh, you know candy coat it. And thing looks like it could start taking off like a bat out of you know what. Uh, and the 20 year graph on it. Okay. So it has been higher. So this thing could be well on its way. Um, uh, technically is all I'm talking about. And, uh, this might not be the exact time to do it, but these are some of your choices when you have a thing like this, where maybe you bought it at 60 and it went up to 75 and, uh, you can do a few different things here that might be helpful, uh, to you. Number one might be since you've got $60 a gain there or whatever you got 15 or in some of these other ones you showed me you even have bigger ones. You take a little bit of your money off the table and you buy some put options. They call them married puts. And that's where you buy put options against your stock. Like you buy insurance on your home. If a flood breaks out, meaning it goes back to 65, you have some type of a put option uh, to uh, hedge your risk. If it keeps going, you'll lose your premium like you do on your fire insurance if there's no fire, but you'll still own the stock. That's one way of protecting some of this money. Second way is to do a collar, and that's where you sell an out-of-the-money call and buy a put. And therefore, you have limited on your upside to say 80, but now you buy a put at 70. So you got parameters of upside to 80 and downside to 70. And at least you know what your account will be worth until those options expire, maximum and minimum. And of course, you can adjust the positions afterwards. Uh, third thing you could do is you could replace this thing. And that means you take all the cash off the table and then you buy limited risk call options. If they, and you buy them with time on the clock. So obviously you can stay with the position. And then basically, if the thing keeps going, you've got a call that could benefit from the upside. And if they rolls over down, you lose the premium, but the rest of the money you took off the table is in your pocket. That's called a 
uh, that is called a um, replacement trade. You know, that's another thing that people have talked to me about that they have trouble with is after they buy options, they don't know when to sell them or how to sell them. Well, a couple of things that I look for is my moving averages give me a target of where I think it could go. That's number one. Number two is I can spread the position, which means I bought an option at uh, 50 bucks and the, and the thing goes to 60 bucks. I could buy a, I could sell an out of the money call equal to what I paid for the 50. And then I get a free look at the spread and I could still make money if it goes up. But if it goes down and collapses, Peter pays Paul and I come out flat. The third thing you can do is roll up the position where you get out of the $50 call and go to the higher strike, which would be cheaper, book some profit and stay with the higher strike price. So there's a few things you can do when you're trading to uh, come out of these things a little bit more eloquently than otherwise. Now, we are coming to the top of the hour and um, I haven't gotten to every one of your stocks. So here's what I'm inviting you to do. Uh, I'm Jim, the Option Professor, and uh, my website is optionprofessor.com, O-P-T-I-O-N, Professor, P-R-O-F-E-S-S-O-R.com. Okay, you go there, you put your information in, and I'll be able to speak to you. When I speak to you, I can get you a link to the indicators I use, and I can spend one hour with you on the internet to help you with option trading and timing, which is two things you may need help on. Now, again, uh, I've been doing this for decades. I've traded thousands of options. I received training at the Options Institute in Chicago for advanced options training at the CBOE. So this is not something I've taken up as a hobby. This has been a lifelong job for me. So is there a possibility that I can help you learn more and be more educated in options? I think that's true. If you'd like to find out, just again, go to optionprofessor.com and uh, or shoot me an email at optionprofessor at gmail and I can contact you directly. And then I can show you what I could do for you. Again, a lot of people are charging lots of money for what? Newsletters, chat rooms, uh, monthly services that don't work out. You know, I just suggest you give me a call. I've been doing this a long time. I'll tell you what I can do for you. I think it'll be helpful. If you think it is, great, we'll proceed. If it's not for you, no harm, no foul. So again, optionprofessor.com. And um, I'm Jim, the Option Professor. I look forward to talking to you in a more relaxed environment. I can explain all that stuff that I was talking about as far as you know trading and timing and all that kind of stuff in a much more slow fashion when we have the one-on-one -on -one thing. Okay. And we don't hang up the phone on the one-on-one -on -one thing until you understand what we're talking about. So I'm very patient with you as far as, you know, making sure you understand uh, the uses and the risks of the options.